listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it's a daily 10-minute business and finance wrap for this Monday, the 10th of October 2022. Uh, later, the Australian dollar falls to a two-and-a-half-year low against the greenback. But first, let's talk about the banks because they are slashing the amount prospective homeowners can borrow as interest rates rise and it's having an impact on house prices. For more, I spoke earlier with Sally Tyndall from Rake City. Every time the bank lifts rates, the amount new borrowers can take out as a loan shrinks. Why? Because rising interest rates means that you end up paying more to your bank from your salary in interest. So let's go into it in a bit more detail. How exactly do the banks work out maximum borrowing capacity? It's a really good question. I guess the most important thing to realise is that it does depend on your individual circumstances and that sometimes it depends on the lender where you're making that application. But typically, the bank looks at how much you earn, how much you spend, what existing debts you already have and how many people are in your household. They work out how much you can afford, not just now at the rate that you're applying to, but they then go and stress test your finances to make sure that you can still meet your monthly repayments come what may. So they stress test them at 3% more than the rate that you're applying for. That APRA test, and APRA demands that the banks do this test, that has actually increased recently. Uh, Prior to November of last year, that stress test was just at 2.5%. Okay, so given we've seen numerous rate rises since May this year, what does this mean for the average family? How has their maximum borrowing capacity been reduced? And how have you worked this out? We based these calculations on CBA's borrowing guidelines and looked at how much you can borrow at different times under the bank's rules that they had at those points in time. Yes, APRA requires the banks to stress test someone's finances, even if rates rise by 3%, but they also make the bank set a floor rate. And if that floor rate is higher than the stress test, um, they will apply that. Back in April of this year, CBA's floor rate of 5.25% was actually kicking in rather than the stress test of adding 3%, which is really interesting. Now, looking at a family earning $150,000 where one parent works full-time, the other parent works half the time, they've got two kids, they've got no other debts and minimal expenses, they have seen their maximum borrowing capacity drop by $195,500 if you were going to get down into the minor dollars. Uh, That is a sizable haircut of someone's budget just from the six rate hikes we've had already. Now, this borrowing capacity, that's likely to fall even more so because the the consensus really is we'll see more rate rises, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Look, we are looking towards either one more rate hike, uh, the CBA's uh, view from their economists, to as many as four more rate hikes, if you look at Westpac and ANZ's forecasts, uh, if the cash rate gets to 3.6%, which is entirely likely at this rate, uh, someone's maximum borrowing capacity, that family earning $150,000, they could see the amount that they can borrow from the bank shrink by $267,000. What a significant drop to their budget. That is likely to send a lot of families back to the drawing board to reassess their home buying plans. 
what do you think it will likely mean for the housing market? Well, it's interesting to see that the the housing market has been super sensitive to these rate hikes. We've seen across the last six months, retail sales is still at record highs. The amount of money we've got in the bank uh, from households still at record highs. Unemployment uh, inched up a, a notch, but it's still at near 50-year lows. We're not seeing the impact of these rate hikes in that big picture data, but we are seeing the impact in the property market for two reasons. A lot of people uh, are just turning their backs on auctions because they just can't bid as high because they can't borrow enough from the bank. Some people are turning their backs on the auctions temporarily because they want to see what the market looks like when the dust settle. They want to see how high interest rates go and how low property prices go because who likes the idea of overpaying on what is likely to be one of the biggest purchases you make in your entire life? And so I think people are thinking through their options step by step and seeing how all of this unfolds. I mean, ironically, uh, just 12 months ago, a fear of missing out was driving property prices north at a rate of knots. Now a fear of getting in is having the reversed effect where people are fleeing the property market because they don't want like the idea of making a big mistake. And finally, for the consumer, and I guess for the banks for that matter, does it actually mean there might be competition for loans and for them to retain or get some more business if consumers or borrowers um, have to battle it out to get credit? Yeah, absolutely. I do think the one thing that is going to stay strong through all of this is competition from the banks. We've seen it for refinances. We're also likely to see it for new borrowers because the number of new borrowers is dropping. Well, that just makes the banks all the more hungry to get a new borrower in the door ahead of a competitor. Sally Tindall there from Rate City. From the property market, let's go to currencies because the Australian dollar has taken a tumble today, down to a two and a half year low against the greenback. It follows some positive economic data out of the US, which actually pushed our share market down 1.4% on the 200 to 6,667 points. For more on the day's market action, I spoke earlier with David Burton Jones from Aquitus Investment Partners. David, the market's taking a battering today, much of it to do with the US job numbers, which came out over the weekend, unemployment rate down to 3.5%. So what's concerning investors? Oh, well, you're absolutely right. It does have a lot to do with it. The concern is that 3.5% for the unemployment rate is simply far too low. The, the US labour market is far too overheated and that US monetary authorities continue to bump up against supply-side constraints that are adding to already hot inflationary pressures. Now, the market is particularly concerned that the Fed has to respond aggressively with additional interest rate hikes, which the market really doesn't like. It's afraid that the Fed will break something in the process, and that's causing asset values to decline and to decline quite sharply. So on the local market today, where, where what's moving it? Where are we seeing that weakness? Well, the consumer staples and energy of the sector is doing very well today. Staples are defensive by nature. You can think of your Coles or Woolworths. They have pricing power and they operate in industries where even though your mortgage rate might be going up, you still need to buy your daily bread. The energy stocks have gotten a big boost from OPEC Plus's decision to cut oil production despite, in our view, an already undersupplied oil market. Now, there's an energy crisis going on and 
These cartel members have found a politically expedient reason to reduce supply, bolstering price and exacerbating an already pretty unstable geopolitical situation. The other thing we saw in relation to the US data, the Australian dollar falled to a two and a half year low against the US. But that's also got something more to do with the strength in the greenback, doesn't it? Uh, it, it does. The basic argument is that capital flows to where it can get the highest return and the US has the most aggressive rate hiking cycle with the, the possible exception of New Zealand, although they are perhaps a, a tad more unimportant in context of global bond markets. But we've also got an environment of weaker commodity prices and that's impacting our terms of trade, which is a key driver for the Aussie dollar. Okay, so with all that in mind, where do you see the Australian dollar go and why? On our economic models, around 65 cents is what you get given current interest rate differentials and given current commodity prices. But there is downside risk, uh, A, that China slows even further, weakening commodity demand, and B, that our housing sector slows too hard domestically causing international investors to grow concerned and to pull their capital out. Now, those capital flows would weaken the Aussie dollar further still. So it's 65 cents on the econometric models, but with some not insignificant downside risk at the margin. So in this environment then, where are the opportunities? On the domestic front, the banks and the insurance companies still look good to us, which is what you and I chatted about when last we spoke The higher mortgage rate story supports the banking sector net interest margin, which is a key measure of industry profitability, and the higher bond yields support the returns to float that insurance companies generate from all the premiums that they collect from you and from me. We're pretty defensively positioned in our portfolio overall, which means that we're attracted to the telecommunications stocks and towards the consumer staple stocks that we spoke about earlier. What we don't like is the consumer discretionary stocks, and we might also add to that energy. I I think that you do have to try and balance the risk that the war drags on, which would cause you to want to hold on to them, I suppose, with the realisation that the war could end suddenly, an, an outbreak of peace, and that unless you are a genuine expert in geopolitical risk and war gaming scenarios, It's not a risk that you might feel comfortable taking, owning lots of oil and gas stocks at these prices. And then on the international front, we think that getting paid 4% for bonds and a slightly higher yield for investment-grade credit is pretty good. So it's not all doom and gloom out there. Likewise, with international equity markets down between 20 and 30%, depending on the market, we think it's a good time to be deploying some of our outperforming defensive assets and putting some cash to work. Now, you can't know perfectly ahead of time how well these sorts of things will work out, but some modest capital deployment at moments of maximal bearishness tends to work out on average over time in our view. David Burthen-Jones there from Equitas Investment Partners. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision. (laughs) 